What is up, my dudes? Welcome to Olympia Oddities, or welcome back if you're a regular listener. Let's dive right into those pre-show notes today. So Earth UFO Fest is coming up August 30th through September 1st. It's going to be at the Thurston County Fairgrounds. I'm super stoked because it's like an alien and UFO festival, and I'm super stoked to go and like see all the little things that like people have made, and I think there's going to be a swap meet there, and anyone who knows me knows that I love thrifting, and I love like secondhand stuff, so just sounds like a really good time and I don't know if you guys see me there feel free to like say hey and we're coming up on the one year anniversary of the podcast on August 21st 2018 I sat down on my bed one night hit record and talked about the Oakville blobs for 10 minutes I really like I was so anxious about doing it and I'd made the podcast and I was like all right it's time to just sit record put this out and just see what happens and I published it, and I'm really glad that I did. Uh, so cheers to almost making it a year. I'm planning on doing something, like, fun to celebrate it, but I just haven't quite decided on what we're doing yet. But let's get into today's story. Today, I'm not talking about a true crime story in the traditional sense, but rather a story of a man who pushed his luck against nature until the very end living with grizzly bears in Alaska for 13 summers. Today, I'm going to tell you the story of Timothy Treadwell, aka Grizzly Man. Timothy Treadwell was born Timothy Dexter on April 29, 1957, in Long Island, New York. He was one of five children born to Val and Carol Dexter. He was very fond of animals from a young age and even kept his pet squirrel named Willie. Very jealous. Wish I had a pet squirrel. He attended Connecticut high school where he was an average student and the swimming team's star diver. His parents recalled that he was a pretty normal guy until he went away to college. He received a scholarship for his diving and attended college for a while until his partying caught up with him and he lost his scholarship. At college, he also took up the strange habit of telling people he was an Australian or British orphan. After college didn't work out, he began auditioning for roles and trying to make it as an actor. His father claimed that Timothy spiraled down and became an alcoholic after he lost the role of Woody Boyd to Woody Harrelson in the sitcom Cheers. (laughs) I don't really even have any commentary on that. (laughs) In the 80s, Treadwell overdosed on heroin and cocaine and was saved by a close friend of his, a Vietnam veteran named Terry. After he was discharged from the hospital, Tim decided to take his first trip to Alaska to watch the bears at Terry's suggestion. His early attempts at camping in the harsh Alaskan wilderness were barely successful. He kept a journal with him on all of his expeditions and wrote that during this time he was hungry, surrounded by insects, and cold. The first time he saw a grizzly bear, it ran away from him. When he later recalled this incident a few years later, he said that it made him sad that any bear would see him as a threat. Mark Emery, a wildlife filmmaker and outdoor guide, first saw Treadwell out in the wilderness from an airplane in the early 1990s. Emery was on a charter flight over Hallow Bay in Katmai National Park with a film crew from National Geographic when they spotted Tim on the ground frantically waving his arms. Tim said that he was learning to be around bears, but he wanted to get out of there right away because the bears had been in his camp. I took a picture of him holding a water jug that was crushed by a bear. Emery goes on to say that Tim was camping near the coast and was nearly out of water, although a freshwater stream was nearby. At Treadwell's request, the film crew contacted a charter service to pick him up. When he returned to California for the winter months, he worked as a bartender, but managed to stay stay sober. He worked on writing a book with his ex-girlfriend and co-founder of his organization, Grizzly People, 
called Among Grizzlies, Living with Wild Bears in Alaska. Grizzly People was a nonprofit group formed to educate the public about bears, as well as to fund Treadwell's Alaskan expeditions. Timothy Treadwell viewed himself as an environmentalist and as the only protection the bears had. This attitude, combined with his refusal to follow rules like moving his camp at least a mile every few days and not touching the bears, created conflict with the National Park Service. From 1994 to 2003, Timothy received six park violations or complaints, including guiding tourists without a license, camping in the same area longer than the five-day limit, improper food storage, wildlife harassment, use of a portable generator, and assorted altercations with visitors and licensed guides. One of these interactions is featured in Werner Herzog's film about Treadwell, Grizzly Man. Using the hundreds of hours of footage that Treadwell filmed, it's an excellent movie that highlights the beautiful footage he was able to get, but also what the isolation and harsh conditions did to an already strange man. In one scene, a group of photographers are seen tossing rocks at a few bears. Timothy crouches behind some shrubs, appalled at what he's seeing, and speaking through tears. He later finds a smiley face and a message, Hi Timothy, written for him, and goes off on a paranoid rant about it. Also in his footage are rants where he's screaming at park service, yelling at every religion's god figure to make it rain for his animals, him calling himself a kind warrior, repeatedly stating that he would die for these animals. And while he captured amazing footage of bears, he also documented his mental decline. At times, he would even act like a bear, attempting to dig for razor clams. At other times, he would take multiple takes of him talking to the camera, some with a bandana on, some with it off, some with the camera handheld, some with it sitting down. He mourns the death of a bumblebee that's motionless on a flower until the bee moves and he realizes that it's alive. He questions why he seems to have trouble with women, gets way too excited about bear poop, and has a post-fight recap with a thousand-pound grizzly bear that just moments ago was attempting to kill another bear over a mate. And the entire time, he seems almost completely oblivious of the danger that the bears pose to him only a few feet away. In the documentary, we see one swipe at him, and Tim tells them to go back, and then tells them to stay and that he loves them. Also to Park Ranger's frustration, Treadwell refused to carry bear spray or put up electric fencing around his camp like the official bear researchers used. Deb Liggett, the superintendent of Katmai National Park, became so concerned about Treadwell that she met him for coffee in Anchorage several years prior to his death. I told him that if we had any more violations from him, we would petition the U.S. magistrate to ban him from the park. Liggett applauded the fact that Treadwell was winning fans for the Bears and was being more careful to warn people not to attempt what he was doing, but she and other park officials were afraid that, quote, one swipe of the paw would undo all that and result in a frenzy of stories about fearsome people-eating grizzlies. Treadwell would set up his camps right on the intersecting paths of bear trails, basically forcing the bears to come in contact with him. During his last season there, he began to camouflage and hide his camp, hoping to skirt his way around the Treadwell rule that the rangers had instated about having to move your camp every few days. He became a bit of a celebrity after appearing on late-night shows, he visited schools for free and talked to kids about bears. On a January 8th, 2002, late night with David Letterman appearance, he mentioned almost drowning and being so sick with Giardia in his tent that he had to have a pilot fly through a storm to deliver him medicine. He also told a story about performing a song and dance routine for a bear to scare it away, but told the audience that they should just play dead, compared a bear that he named Demon to Charles Manson and claimed that he'd been accepted by the bears as one of them. On another Letterman appearance, he was asked if we would one day read a newspaper headline that a bear had killed and eaten him.
Tim would often tell listeners about the time he calmly diffused a dangerous situation with a bear by talking softly to it. When the confrontation was over, he claimed to have laid down and napped next to the sleeping bear. While Treadwell claimed that he was always alone in the wilderness, this wasn't true. Several women accompanied him at times during his expeditions, but they were rarely, if ever, featured on camera. The woman who accompanied him on his last few trips, including the one that led to their deaths, was a woman named Amy Huguenard. She was a physician's assistant in Aurora, Colorado. She'd read Treadwell's book and fallen in love with his stories, and eventually him. She quit her job in Colorado on January 31st, 2003, and moved to Malibu. There, she found another job that she was excited to start when her and Timothy arrived back. Unfortunately, this would never happen. Let's get into the story of what happened on that final expedition. In late June of 2003, Tim and Amy arrived in Katmai National Park. They set up camp at Hallow Bay, a spot Tim called the Sanctuary. Amy returned to California for a few weeks before rejoining Tim as he was about to move their camp into the Grizzly Maze on Kaflia Lake. Pilot and friend Willie Fulton dropped them off at this spot on September 29, 2003. Tim sent a letter back with Willie that claimed a few of the bears at the camp were more aggressive than usual. Tim decided that they would stay another week, a dangerous decision because this was the time of year when bears start eating as much as they can to gear up for hibernation. Tim hadn't seen a favorite bear of his and wanted to see her before returning to civilization for the year. Amy's diaries from the trip detail how the bears scared her and that she believed Treadwell was hell-bent on destruction. She said that this would be her last season with him and alluded to breaking up with him for good. On October 5th, 2003, Tim and Amy made a satellite call to Jewel Palovac, both excited about having located the bear who had been missing. Nothing seemed amiss at the time. Tim made a call to Willie Fulton to arrange to have him bring the plane in and pick them up the following afternoon. Alright, this is the little content warning for things start to get grisly, should I say? Sorry, that was bad and I, I've been- I said barely earlier and I almost made a joke about that too. I'm sorry, I just keep on using bear words. Um, at 2pm the following day, Willie Fulton arrived to pick them up as arranged. After landing, he believes he saw Tim shaking out a tarp from the distance and called out several times while making his way over. He got about three-fourths of the way up the hill when he sensed something didn't feel right, something seemed strange, hollering with no answer. He turned around and started heading his way back to the plane when he turned and spotted a pretty nasty-looking bear that he had seen on earlier flights, sneaking slowly down the trail with its head down. Just the meanest-looking thing, he said. He took off in its plane and decided to try to fly low over the area to scare the bear away. In the air, he spots the bear feeding on a human rib cage. He flies his plane over the area 15 to 20 times, but with each pass, the bear just hunkers down and starts eating faster. Willie Fulton contacted park rangers and was told to remain nearby if he could do so safely. Willie landed his plane about one mile west of the camp. At 3.20 p.m., Ranger Ellis, Ranger Pilot Gilliland, and Ranger Dalrymple departed from the airport and headed to the scene. Ranger Ellis also has Park Dispatch report the incident to King Salmon State Troopers, as well as Alaska Fish and Game, requesting that troopers meet the park rescue team at Kaflia Lake near Tim and Amy's camp. At 426, the team arrived at the scene, and Ranger Ellis did a quick interview with Willie Fulton. Willie advises the rangers that there's only room for one plane to park near the camp and, and climbs into the Park Service Cessna for the quick taxi to the sh south shore. As they approach the area, Ranger Pilot Gilliland spots spots a large adult bear near the top of the hill. 
They exited the plane and began walking up the path, calling out to alert any surviving victims that they were there and to alert the bears of their presence. Ranger Ellis stated, The visibility was poor with the heavy growth of bushes and tall grass. The camp was located on top of a ridge and out of our sight. We had radio contact with Alaska State Troopers Hill and Jones, who were forced to park their plane 300 meters away and had to hike through the thick brush, so we elected to wait at the base of the hill until Troopers Hill and Jones could catch up. Ranger Dalrymple was slightly ahead of Gilliland when Gilliland suddenly yells, BEAR, while pointing to the right. Ranger Ellis states that he turned and saw an adult bear moving towards the group at about 20 feet away. All four began yelling in hopes that the bear would see them and move away. Ranger Ellis then stated that he perceived the bear was well aware of their presence and was stalking them. Ranger Ellis, who was armed with a 40 caliber handgun, began to fire at the same time Rangers Gilliland and Dalrymple, who were each armed with 12-gauge shotguns, uh, began to shoot at the bear. Ranger Ellis fires 11 times, while Rangers Gilliland and Dalrymple each fire 5 times, dropping the bear 12 feet away. That was cutting it thin, stated Ellis. After about 10 seconds, the bears died, and Willie Fulton reportedly says, I want to look that bear in the eyes, and states that he is sure that this was the bear that chased him back to his plane earlier. When they arrived at the camp, they found two tents, one for gear and one was the main tent that was used for sleeping. Both were collapsed and torn, however, there was no evidence that the bear had pulled the victims from the main tent. In front of this main tent was a large mound of grass, mud, and sticks, about five feet long, four feet wide, and three feet high. After moving a clump of dirt, Ranger Ellis later recalled seeing fingers and an arm protruding from the pile. They were the remains of Amy Huguenard. She was 37. Food was found in the camp, secured in four or five metal bear-proof canisters, as well as open snack food found untouched in the sleeping er, in the sleeping tent. Both Tim and Amy's shoes were also found neatly still in place at the entrance to the main tent. As they, as they searched the surrounding area, they found the remains of Timothy Treadwell. His head was connected to a small piece of spine, and what had been described as a frozen grimace was on his face. His right arm and hand lay nearby with his wristwatch still attached. As the team left, a bear estimated to be about three years of age began stalking them. A warning shot was fired off, and when the bear didn't react, it was shot and killed. As a direct result of Treadwell's actions, two people and two bears that he claimed to love were now dead. And if you thought that was rough, it gets a little bit rougher here. In a horrific discovery, uh, when later examined, it was found that the last six minutes of footage shot with Timothy's camera had captured the attack. The lens cap was on and the camera had been activated to start recording by a microphone attached to Treadwell's clothes. The tape had never been released to the public and the fakes on YouTube are just that. Fakes. And poorly done ones at that. And don't listen to those because that's just gross. In Grizzly Man, Werner listens to the tape with Jewel watching him. When it is done, he tells her that she should never listen to the tape, look at the autopsy pictures he has seen, and that he thinks that she should destroy the tape or it will be the white elephant in the room for the rest of her life. According to the coroner and Herzog's listens of the tape, it begins with Amy sounding surprised and scared as she asks, is it still out there? The next voice on the tape is Timothy screaming, get out here, I'm getting killed out here. The sound of a tent zipper is then heard and the tent flap opening. Amy is heard screaming over the background sounds of rain hitting the tent, the wind, and the other storm sounds are all mixed in with the bear and Tim fighting to play dead. Seconds pass before Amy yells again to play dead. The yelling and screaming caused the bear to break off the attack. Tim and Amy then have a short conversation about whether or not the bear is actually gone. 
The bear comes back, pushing Amy away from Tim. Tim is heard screaming that playing dead isn't working and tells Amy to hit the bear. Amy is heard yelling at the bear to get back, stop, go away. The coroner thought that she could have also been saying run away to Tim, but there was a large amount of background noise from the attack and Tim's moans to be able to tell for sure. Amy picked up a frying pan and began smacking the bear on the head. It's believed in this point of the attack, the bear let go of Tim's head and bit in his upper leg area. Amy's screams are heard and Tim tells her to run away. The bear is almost completely silent during the entire attack. The bear drags Tim into the nearby woods and his screams fade out. Amy's panicked screams are even higher, which has caused some experts to theorize that the high-pitched sound caused the bear to return and attack her. It's unknown what exactly happened in Amy's final moments. She may have just been paralyzed with fear and unable to fight anymore when the bear returned, or she may have kept the bear at bay using the tents to dodge behind until it finally caught her or just went over the top of one. What we do know is that Amy stayed with her friend and her lover, helped try to save his life, and that she didn't deserve the awful and terrifying moments that ended her life. Four garbage bags of human remains and clothing were removed from the first bear shot by the rangers, The second bear's corpse had been eaten by the other bears, and nothing remained but its heads. But its head, not plural. Just one, you know, not a two-headed bear. (laughs) Timothy Treadwell's ashes and belongings were turned over to Jewel Palovac. A teddy bear that he carried with him his entire adult life, including his time in Alaska, was given to his parents. Before his death, Timothy had signed a or written and signed a letter to the Park Service claiming that he had no living relatives and should he be killed to give his possessions and remains to Jewel. There's a lot of theories on why Tim lasted as long as he did. Maybe he did have a connection, maybe it was dumb luck, or maybe it was some combination of the two. The bears tolerated him for 13 years until he pushed his luck too far. The bear that attacked him had been ear-tagged in 1990 after the Valdez Alaska, Alaska oil spill as part of a larger research project and had the number 141 tattooed on the inside of its upper lip. At the time of its necropsy, or three days after Tim and Amy were killed, Bear 141 was reported to be a scrawny but healthy 1,000-pound, 28-year-old male that was probably looking to fatten up for the winter, with broken canine teeth and the others worn down to the gums. He was old, unable to compete with the younger bears for food, and starving. In other words, he was just being a bear. Some have speculated that Tim was unfamiliar with this bear, and that's what played a role in the attack. However, pilot Willie Fulton said this was a bear he had seen before, on previous flights, and was just a dirty, rotten bear that Tim didn't like anyways, but he wanted to be friends with, but never happened. It's now believed that Bear 141 was a bear that Tim had nicknamed Ollie, the big old grumpy bear. In his footage, Tim is seen with Ollie. He looks over his shoulder as Ollie slowly moves closer. Could Ollie possibly eat Timothy Treadwell? What do you think, Ollie? I think if you're weak around him, you're going down the gullet, down the pipe. I think Werner Herzog put it best in his Grizzly Man monologue when he said, And what haunts me is that in all the faces of the bears that Treadwell ever filmed, I discovered no kinship, no understanding, no mercy. I see only the overwhelming indifference of nature. To me, there is no such thing as a secret world of bears. And this blank stare only speaks of a half-bored interest in food. But for Timothy Treadwell, this bear was a friend and a savior. Thank you for listening to another episode of Olympia Oddities. 
You can follow the podcast at Facebook and Instagram at Olympia Oddities Podcast. Um, I'm back on Twitter now, if you want to follow me. I'm uh, at MKUlta, like the beauty store, underscore. Uh, And my Instagram is Trista Jean, if you want to follow that. Feel free to send in any suggestions you have for episode topics, personal stories, or just whatever. Um, well, not whatever, like, I don't want dick pics or anything, but anything that's pertaining to true crime, cryptids, aliens, ghosts, ooky spooky things, ghouls, goblins, monsters, a zombie with no conscience. Okay, I'm just gonna wrap this up now before I go into Jay-Z's monsterverse. Um, until next time, friends.